episode 148 of the shock shock Knicks podcast on the posting and toasting podcast network sean st Jacques back here with you as always for another week of Knicks and nba talk we don't miss weeks around here we've been rolling strong for going on nearly three years now haven't missed a week it's a beautiful thing in july we'll be three years into this super excited for this week's podcast not a ton of Nick stuff this week. We'll get to one little note of news from the week that, you know, isn't isn't huge news, but it is news nonetheless. And then we've got a boatload of NBA playoffs to talk about. What a wild week it was uh, in NBA playoff games uh, this week. couple eliminations in there and another couple of really good games coming up. Some good game sixes, including... Dangerous territory for the Philadelphia 76ers north of the border. But let's start with the Knicks and the bit of Knicks news this week. There really isn't a ton. Um, and again, I try not to hammer draft uh, you know, every week around here because frankly, with draft stuff this week, there's really nothing to talk about. There really is no news on that front. However, according to ESPN, uh, the Mavericks have no intention of helping to facilitate a sign-and-trade, sending Jalen Brunson to the Knicks. We, we talked about this last week. It might as well follow up on this a little bit. According to the report, the Knicks would need to shed some salary to be in position to outright sign him. Uh, the quote is, quote, the Knicks, who would give Brunson the opportunity to be a full-time primary ball handler, need to shed salary to have the flexibility to sign him, but could feasibly create $20 million or more in cap space, according to the report. Uh, it further goes on to say that league sources say the Mavs have no intention of cooperating in potential sign-and-trade scenarios. So again, it's just, you know, an uphill thing. The Knicks, if they are committed to signing Jalen Brunson, now now that the Nets are out, you know, a lot of people have started to say, well, you know, know, is building a super team the right thing to do? The Knicks need talent. The Knicks need a point guard. I, I think if the Knicks... You know, again, it really comes down to this front office, which really doesn't pull the trigger a lot on these things. If they are willing to shed that cash, which I think they'd be able to do, like I said, this is not out of the realm for the Knicks to be able to do this. I think this makes a lot of sense. I'm not going to, you know, rehash that take, but it really, once again, comes down to the fact that this is a player that could help the Knicks get better in a position of need that they haven't filled for years are they actually going to follow through? That's the question. That's the question. Is Leon Rose and company going to make this happen? That, that really is what it comes down to, and I, I really don't know. But we'll keep an eye on the story as it develops. It's really the only big Knicks news at the moment. Again, you know, I will say this. If you're still interested in draft stuff and you want it week in and week out, postingandtoasting.com our website is doing some really good features on different prospects week in and week out i think paulo bancaro from duke is the most recent one that's up on the site i'll direct you to that go read that you know get your draft fill from that we've got playoffs to talk about this week and as we get closer to the lottery that is when we will really dive back into the draft stuff we've already done a couple of draft episodes for this year's class they're, they're within the last couple of weeks so if you want to go back and listen to those episodes, really nothing has changed from there. So that is where I will direct you for this week if you want some draft content. 
Um, but a lot of you guys enjoyed the playoff talk last week, so we're going to jump back in right now, and we're going to hammer a lot of playoff talk this week. And we're going to start with Philly and Toronto, because, boy, is that series turned. Since we, <laughs> since we last discussed that playoff series, um, goodness gracious, has that one turned on, on its head. So, the last time we talked, if memory serves... Philly had just gone up 3-0, and Joel Embiid had hit a buzzer beater in overtime to take out the Raptors in Game 3. He was talking to Drake, saying, we're coming for the sweep. It's all coming to, you know, it's all coming to a close. Philly is going to wrap this thing up. Uh, safe to say, Philly has not wrapped this thing up. They lost Game 4, 110-102. They had a chance to win that game on multiple occasions in the second half, but they let it slip in the fourth quarter and Toronto won the game. So you're thinking, all right, okay, no problem. Philly back at home, feeling good, up 3-1, no Fred Van Fleet. You're thinking, no problem, right? Big problem, <laughs> big problem. The Sixers get blown out on their home floor in game five, 103 to 88, and it was not a contest. The Sixers had a 2-0 lead to start this game. They never led again in this game. It was just total capitulation. Total capitulation against a wounded Raptors team that were begging to be buried in this game, but not to be. Pascal Siakam comes up with a huge night, leads the team in points, rebounds, and assists. Big shout-out to OG Ananobi and Precious Achua. Both had double figures in scoring. Gary Trent Jr. had double figures as well. And they blow out Philly on their home floor, 103-88. The series shifts back to Toronto for a game six. And we won't be able to talk about that game because it's going on uh, Azure, well, actually, it'll be going on during the recording of this podcast. Actually, a few hours from now, from the time of recording, I uh, have to do the recording early today. There's a lot of good game sixes today that I'm going to be watching, but we're going to talk about those next week. But all I'm going to say is this. All I'm going to say is this. An NBA team has never come back from 3-0 and won a series, ever. Never happened. I think it's only happened in Major League Baseball, and I think maybe a couple of times in the NHL. That's it. So we're talking all of pro sports. It's never happened in the NBA. Philly is in some dangerous territory here. Because if you lose game six, the amount of pressure that will be on them in game seven cannot be, cannot be overestimated. They will have a heaping helping of pressure on them in Philly in a game seven. And frankly, I think if the Raptors win game six, I think they're going to win game seven. Now, I don't know if they're going to win game six. That's the problem. I, I think Philly could easily go into Toronto. They'll wake up and they'll win game six. But, but it's a big if. Because Toronto's going to be rocking. They're going to feel like this is the chance. Because if Toronto wins, oh my goodness. Game 7 will be must-watch television. Must-watch television. Philly 
Oh my good. If, if Philly does the oh my especially after they traded Ben Simmons for James Harden. If they do this, if they do this, oh my God. Oh my God. A trade where I thought both teams, you know, made made the right move but didn't get closer to a championship. We could see one team get swept. Sixers, uh, sorry, the, the Nets getting swept, of course, by the Celtics, which we'll get to a little bit. And the other would blow a 3-0 lead and lose in the first round to a Toronto team that was hurt a lot during the series. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? That's what we're getting close to right now. Game 7 would be must-watch television if Philly blows this in Game 6. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So that's where we stand. Might as well briefly look at Nets, Celtics. I just want to say this. Um, I thought this series would go six or seven. Extremely impressed with the way the Celtics dispatched the Nets. Now, with that being said, now, now I, you know what, before I do that, let me give some credit to the Celtics because defensively in this series, they were phenomenal. Tremendous defensive work. And Ime Udoka has got to be extremely happy with where his team's at defensively. Robert Williams was sort of back into this mix in the series as well. And the games were all tight, but the Celtics never looked like they were going to lose any of them because of that defense. And I have to say, you know, what Philly hasn't blown it yet, but this Nets season, and remember, I picked the Nets. I picked the Nets in the preseason to win the championship. Boy, has this blown up in Brooklyn. Holy smokes, has this blown up. Never saw Ben Simmons in the playoffs after you make the trade. Kyrie dealing with vaccine BS all season long, costing the Nets playoff seating, and then in the end, their season. Kevin Durant can't stay on the floor. Joe Harris is hurt. You're relying on guys like Patty Mills and company who are supposed to be role players. Blake Griffin's hurt for most of the playoffs, playing with a brace on his knee. I mean, a disaster. An utter disaster for Brooklyn. This season could not have gone any worse. It really couldn't have. For where we thought this team would be, the way Kyrie handled it, the way KD handled it, the way it's been handled by the front office, this could not have gone any worse. And frankly... I, I much like I because I, I want to say this too. We've seen the Lakers super team implode and miss the playoffs, and everyone's blamed Frank Vogel. I really hope that doesn't happen to Steve Nash because Steve Nash, and I think Charles Barkley said this on Inside extremely well. Steve Nash did everything he could to keep this together. Everything he could. I, I give Steve Nash a ton of credit. This could have gone so much worse than it actually did. It, 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 he kept it together as best as he could during the regular season and made them relevant despite the nonsense that was going on behind the scenes. Absolute nonsense that Steve, Steve Nash had to put up with and he still got them to the playoffs. Because quite frankly, this season is a dumpster fire for the Nets. Literally, literally could not have gone much worse than it did. And now they're sitting at home while the Celtics await 
their next their next uh, opponent in the conference semifinals. And, and that's actually they don't they, they know who they're playing. They're playing the team we're going to talk about next, the Milwaukee Bucks, which is going to be a hell of a series. It really is. I I want to say this real quick before we move on to, to Bucks Bulls. Brooklyn better get it together next season. They better get it together. Cuz I remember I remember thinking, you know, at the beginning of the season why I picked the Nets is I thought even without Kyrie in there, we saw what KD could do by himself in the playoffs last season. Here's the issue. You lose Joe Harris. KD can't stay on the floor. He's acting, you know, all stiff with the media on purpose, not giving away any info. Then they're thinking they're just going to come back on the court, make it happen without any chemistry, without any depth on the bench including a guy that they traded for in Ben Simmons that still can't play next season oh my goodness is the pressure going to be on the Nets Simmons Irving and KD better work because if it doesn't I I don't know what the hell they're going to do I don't know what they're going to do it's unreal it really is I think Charles Barkley, and I, and I apologize, I just wanted to check the scores from the other game, but Charles Barkley said it best. Again, different insight, I think, but one of the issues with the Nets is, yes, they've got two alpha dogs, right? They've got Kyrie and KD, but you could argue that neither of them have been the best player on a championship-winning team. Now, I take exception to the KD a little bit, because KD was a finals MVP multiple times. Let's be very clear. Taking nothing away from Steph, nothing away from Clay, Igudala. He was on a super team, no question. It's not like he led that team. He joined a you know a leadership triumvirate with Draymond Green and the Splash Brothers in Golden State, and they won rings. But the Kyrie one, you, you can't argue. Kyrie's won one ring with LeBron James. Hit the one big shot, but and had great games in that series, no question about it. But hasn't been the alpha. He's been he's been the he's been the second guy. Now that's kind of what he's expected to be on this team. But KD can't stay on the floor. Kyrie vaccination issues. I mean, it's just ridiculous what's going on. The selfishness in Brooklyn, unreal. It continues, and now. It's, it's impacting their play on the court. Next year, oh my, is it going to be a colossal, colossally important year for the Brooklyn Nets? All right, Bucks and Bulls, keeping it short on this one. Bulls, Bulls got back in the series as I, as I expected them to do. However, the, the finish to the series was all Bucks. Bucks win game four in Chicago convincingly by I was it 26 something like that they they won very easily in game 4 and frankly as soon as they won game 4 the way they did I didn't expect much else and the bucks won it by 16 in game 5 on their home floor tough way for the bulls season to end but but you can't deny the progress that was made for chicago i think if they had not slipped at the end and they got a better playoff series I think the Bulls would have had a, a you know a dream season potentially, but they faced the defending champs in the first round and they got exactly what was coming to them. They were the 
the team in the East that was the most out of form, I would argue, out of the top six, and they absolutely paid for it. And the the Bucks, you know, brushed them aside. And it's a good thing they did because now they're going to be fresh for a Celtics team that swept the Nets out of the playoffs. So Bucks Celtics is going to be a tremendous Eastern Conference semifinal, and and I can't wait for it. Two of the favorites going toe to toe. I, will, I want to give the Hawks a little bit of credit for getting back into the series uh, with the Heat. However, game four, they absolutely laid an egg on their home floor. Kind of expected it, to be fair. Miami's been clearly the better team in this series. And to be fair to Miami, they could have easily won game three. They let that game slip away. They were the better team then, too, and the Hawks got a big shot late from Trey Young, as they always tend to need to win these games. And then game four, they got waxed. And then game five... You know, no Kyle Lowry, no Jimmy Butler kind of opened the door for Atlanta to get back into that game and they are to get back into the series. And they nearly did. DeAndre Hunter had a career high 35 points and nearly got the Hawks back into that game. They were trailing by nine, I think, in the last few minutes. However, Victor Oladipo had a big night. Max Struess defensively had a big night and the Miami Heat hold on 97-94. They... Hawks didn't even get a last shot. A terrible inbounds play on the last play of the game. Uh, they just basically gave it to Danilo Gallinari, who was doubled up against a sideline, essentially triple teamed, had nowhere to go with the ball, and threw it away to Victor Oladipo. And that was that, 97-94. A very disappointing season, I would argue, for the Hawks comes to a close. Um, a season where they almost missed the play-in managed to find a way to come back against Cleveland in the play-in round and get in only to get absolutely outmatched by the Miami Heat. And you know, Trey Young actually said something after the game that really didn't make any sense to me. He said, I got to go back and look at the film and, and look at how they defended me. My thought was, they defended you like that every game of the series. What, what has taken you so long to look at the film? I, ho- I hope he misspoke there because... Miami didn't change up their game plan at all in the series. The whole point of the way they were playing was to pressure Trey Young into making mistakes, and that's exactly what he did. Trey Young had 30 assists and 30 turnovers in the five games. It's exactly what the Heat were hoping for, and Trey Young and the, and the Hawks never adjusted to it. I, I, I still don't understand why what they thought was going to happen. Trey Young, as good as he is handling the basketball, was being pressured way more than he normally is. And the thought was, well, then let's keep the ball in Trey Young's hands. No, he keeps turning the ball over. Why do you keep letting him hang onto the ball for so long? It clearly wasn't working. The Hawks never adjusted. And they paid for it, big time. They got waxed by the Heat, and they were lucky to get one game in this series, to be quite honest with you. They very easily could have been swept and probably should have been. So again, it, you know, it's a small sample size, but my oh my, did the Hawks get outmatched by the Heat. So again, Atlanta has nobody to blame but themselves for an early postseason exit here. And they're going to have some pressure on them, much like the Knicks and, and much like other teams around that area, Charlotte as well, for next season to, to, to bounce back because these are, all three of those teams can argue they had extremely disappointing campaigns based on the season they were coming off of. 
a year ago. So we'll see. The Heat move on. Uh, we'll see who they'll face. <laughs> I mean, will they face a Philly team that just barely escaped the Raptors, or will they take on a Raptors team that completed a historic comeback? That remains to be seen. All right. For the first time in a while, it feels like, let's take a break when we're supposed to this time. Uh, when we come back, we'll go out west, and we'll talk about that great Minnesota-Memphis series and a whole lot more. Coming up next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Quick story coming out of the break here. We're going to shift to the Western Conference playoffs now. And I got to take you guys back. A couple of years ago, and I, and I believe I was still doing this podcast at the time, just kind of starting out. I was at the NCAA tournament in Hartford. This is just before the pandemic, the March before everything shut down, obviously. And I was in Hartford with a buddy of mine at the time, and we were covering the NCAA tournament, and we got to see some pretty good players. We got to see Carson Edwards, got to see Colin Gillespie from Villanova, Jermaine Samuels from Villanova, um, Sadiq Bey, you know, great players, right? Uh, Marcus Howard from Marquette was there as well. We got to see him up close and personal once again. But the best player we saw, and I, I'll even throw Trey Mann was playing for Florida State. Like, there were some very good players in this regional in, in Hartford. Best player we saw by a mile was this guy named Ja Morant. Played for Murray State, obviously, at the time. They upset the 12th seed. Sorry, they, they were the 12th seed. They upset the 5th seed in Marquette Golden Eagles. They blew them out. There was a, an amazing play that Ja made in the game. It was a give-and-go. He handed it off to a player sitting on the left elbow... The player gave it back to him via a bounce pass, and John Morant posterized Joey Hauser, who now plays for Michigan State, I believe, in college basketball. He went past Sam Hauser, dunked it over Joey Hauser, one of the best plays of the entire NCAA tournament. And John Morant's had some big dunks in the NBA, no question about it. However, his dunk at the end of the third quarter in Game 5 is one of the craziest NBA playoff dunks I've ever seen in my life. There's just no debating it. That dunk was insane. He weaves past two defenders, cocks it back as far back as he can cock it, and just absolutely obliterates and detonates and demolishes the rim. And a game that looked like Minnesota was going to have control over going into the fourth completely changed just like that and he almost had another monster dunk in the fourth quarter but he banked it off the back of the rim and missed it just like that in that moment boom snap of the finger the game turned and the fourth quarter of game five completely shifted towards memphis and of course, you have to give the timberwolves credit they lose the lead but then anthony edwards hits a ridiculously tough three-point jump shot to tie the game with under four seconds left. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this epic game is going to overtime. I will give Minnesota a little bit of a pass on the inbounds play. I think John Morant makes a really nice play on it. However, they'll, they'll think they could have defended that a little bit better. But then John Morant makes another tough lay-in with one second left on the other end. And Memphis survives game five and they win it 
on their home floor. It was just a tremendous game, 111-109. And a game that looked like the Timberwolves would take a 3-2 lead back home, sees them blow another big lead in this series and lose 111-109. And now the Grizzlies are up 3-2 going into a game six against um, Minnesota in Minnesota. Again, you guys will know the result by the time this comes out. Another great game on tap. It's super excited for it. And this series might be the best first-round playoff series we've had so far. I mean, this has just been tremendous. And I, I love the fight the Timberwolves have shown. Frankly, the Timberwolves, if they if they just held on to a couple of leads, they would have won this series already. They've been super impressive, but the fight that Memphis has shown has just been off the charts good. And I don't know how much further Memphis will go, but I think they're going to win this series. And I think they're just about going to beat Minnesota here in what's been a tremendous, tremendous series. I hope it goes all the way, frankly. But I think in six or seven, Memphis will win this. And then I don't know what, what will happen after that. They've got, they'll have Golden State next if they pull it out. But just tremendous. It really has been fun to watch these these two go at it. And it's much, much must-watch, I should say, NBA playoff basketball. It really is. So very impressive to see the Timberwolves playing well. Grizzlies are taking every punch they can handle, and they're fighting in this series, and they have the lead. So we'll wait to see what happens. The anticipation for Game 5 of Mavericks Jazz I thought was just as high. However, the game just didn't deliver. Dallas absolutely destroyed Utah, and it really happened on the defensive end of the floor. Arguably the single best defensive performance of anybody in one game this postseason against Boston overall, but one game, I think you got to give it to Dallas. They held Utah to 77 points. 77 points. I don't care where you're playing that game. That's impressive. And the, and the Jazz only had 20 points in a quarter or more once. And it was in the fourth when the game was over. The Mavericks destroyed the Jazz over three quarters and then just basically suntanned in the fourth, and that was it. I, I think, you know, the biggest shocker to me, you know, Rudy Gobert had a normal, you know, decent night, 17 and 11. I think, what was it, Jordan Clarkson had 20. Donovan Mitchell had nine points. Donovan Mitchell, in 32 minutes, played the most minute, joint most minutes on the team. 4 of 15 from the field, 0 of 7 from deep. He had 9 points, 2 rebounds, and 1 assist. The, the, the Mavericks completely took him out of the game. Completely neutralized him. And I came away super impressed. Now, Mavericks have now got to finish this off. It was one game, right? The Jazz will be ready to rumble in game 6. It's going to be another great game that you need to watch. If you're, if you're watching NBA playoff basketball, it's a huge game because Dallas has had chances in the past to finish teams off most notably the Clippers and they haven't done it. So this is important for the Mavericks. They need to finish this off to get their first playoff series win in a long time, decade or so. And it'd be the first one under, under the, the Luca reign, if you will. They need to finish this thing off. They'll, they're also playing, and you'll know the you'll know the result when the podcast is done. But 
super impressed with how the Dallas Mavericks have played this series and they got a chance to finish the job. We'll see if they can, if they can do just that. Uh, before we get into the craziness with Phoenix, New Orleans, uh, one last series in the West to get to before that. And of course it's Warriors Nuggets. Now fair play to the Nuggets. They, they, they fended off elimination on their home floor in game four of the series with war, the Warriors up 3-0. And they had the lead for a decent amount of time in game five as well. And the Don himself, the or not the Don, I should say. Jeez, I just got him confused with Luka. Um, the MVP himself, the Joker, Nikola Jokic, was tremendous once again. But it was not enough. And, uh, you know, Steph Curry kind of said that, publicly that they forgot how to close games out or close series out I should say and they relearned how to against Denver they won it 102 to 98 and they send the Denver Nuggets packing um and their season comes to a close a, a tough season again for Denver a, a season of a, another season I should say of what could have been you know once again Jamal Murray just not able to help and you know again didn't have Michael Porter Jr available either for a good portion so what does this team look like next year I, I keep thinking like this is going to be the team that makes that next step I mean, with the way boogie cousins has been playing you know aaron gordon's been okay in this series not great monty morris i think could have been better at times but they need you know will barton at times chipping in i feel like they you know and to be fair austin rivers barely played in game five like they need jamal murray they need michael porter jr and if they can get that group together you know, Bones Highland playing a little bit better as well. Bryn Forbes, can that group be a power in the West? I really feel like they can, but they just can't seem to stay healthy at the same time. And that could cost them at some point. It really could. So it'll be interesting to see how all of that plays out moving forward. But for the time being, you know, we have to wait and see and if they can regroup this offseason. And the Warriors will march on to take on a either a very good Memphis team or a Minnesota team that is looking to make some history in these playoffs. So I think Golden State will be favored regardless, but I'd love to see a, a Warriors-Memphis rematch of those great play-in games from a season ago in a playoff series. Those two teams don't like each other. Uh, there's some animosity between those two. And now that they're both at full strength, it'd be great to see that series play out over seven games all right one more series to get to and it's a pretty juicy one frankly the Devin Bookerless Phoenix Suns and the New Orleans Pelicans who are just not playing like an eight seed at all even though you consider the fact that Booker has been out I just love the way that CJ McCollum and company have handled this series they they dominated Phoenix in game four took full advantage they won 118 103 and you're thinking, oh boy, can they go to Phoenix and win game five? Because if they can, I don't know if the defending Western Conference champs are going to win game six. However, however, Phoenix showed up in game five. They showed up from the first quarter on. Phoenix showed the bleep up in game five. Uh, Mikhail Bridges went off. He had 31 points. Chris Paul was unbelievable. 22 and 11 assists. Huge game from, I, th I thought, from Cam Johnson as well. Eight, nine, and five assists. He was massive. Cameron Payne hit a couple of big threes in the game as well. And you can't forget 
about the 19 and 9 rebounds as well from DeAndre Ayton, who came up clutch as well. And in the end, you know, I, the Pelicans certainly made this a game. Valanchunas had a big night. CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram continue to shine in these NBA playoffs. However, however, despite the third quarter comeback that the Pelicans had, it was the fourth quarter where the Suns closed them out. There were some really big exclamation point dunks from Mikhail Bridges in the last few minutes to put the game to bed. And Phoenix will take a 3-2 lead back to New Orleans for game six after a 112-97 victory. Very impressive without Devin Booker that the Suns continue to figure it out. Um, we'll see if they can win this series. I feel like if they win this series, the Suns will stay relevant because I think at some point, last time I checked, Devin Booker may still have a chance to come back in this postseason. So we'll wait and see. Um, actually, just, just looked it up now. Um, there are some reports saying that Devin Booker could play in game six, actually. That just came out five minutes ago. Uh, at the time of wow, this that's this is actually breaking news from nola.com. Uh, Christian Clark, a staff writer for the website, uh, is saying that Devin Booker is expected to play. And actually, he's all right. So, this is actually from he's quoting Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN. Can't be too surprised on that one. Um, Woj is saying, quote, assuming all goes well, unquote, in the pregame warmups. Devin Booker is expected to play in game six. Again, you guys will know uh, before the pod, you know, as the podcast goes out, the game will be done. So you guys will know what happens. We'll talk about it next week. However, that changes things for Phoenix in a big way. If they can get Devin Booker back, obviously, and advance in this series, they become the scary giants of the West that we expected them to be and they, and they become very dangerous once again. They're wounded. Wounded Giants sometimes can be tough to slay. New Orleans is figuring that out. Game in and game out. But it looks like Phoenix might figure this out. A lot of outs there. And knock the Pelicans out. One more for you. Of the playoffs. So we'll see. I, again, I, game six in New Orleans will not be easy. The Pelicans have been very difficult this postseason and in the play-in on their home floor. They have figured it out, man. They really have. You wonder what that team would be like if Zion was healthy. You really, you really wonder. If he was if he was fit as a fiddle and ready to go, you'd wonder where New Orleans would be right now. But they have to deal with what they've got. And what they've got is a series. Game six with a chance to force a game seven in Phoenix would be a heck of a way to finish off this round of NBA playoff action. I'm super excited for it. I hope this game this series goes the distance. But I kind of have a feeling if Booker plays, Phoenix might just figure it out and win it in game six. But crazier things have happened, right? We'll, we'll wait and see. You know, we'll have to see if, if Booker... Good news, the good news, I think, for Phoenix on that front is we'll see how Booker comes back and adjusts. But I, I don't think he's been gone long enough where the chemistry will go away. I think it's just about him getting back into game shape. And will, will he be in that mode when he returns? We'll see. We'll see. You know, he's been out for a little while here. Missed a few games. But we'll see. We'll see how he does. It's, his injury has certainly impacted this series. And we'll see if New Orleans can push this thing to seven. It certainly would be fascinating to see the top seed in the NBA playoffs get pushed to the brink 
in the first round. And we could see the top two seeds in the West both get pushed to a game seven in the first round. That Minnesota Memphis series has been so much fun. The atmospheres in both buildings have been tremendous. And, uh, and I can't wait. Phoenix and new Orleans has a great game six that you'll know about after the podcast. Same with Sixers Raptors. We'll be, we'll be talking about the biggest collapse in NBA history. Next, next show. Also, can't forget about Mavs Jazz Game 6 in Utah. The joint will be jumping in Salt Lake City. I can't wait for it. It's going to be a fun next show to talk about the NBA playoffs. No question about that. few housekeeping notes before we leave you for the week. Uh, first and foremost, thank you guys so much, as always, for listening to the show. You guys have stayed loyal throughout all of this let me know what you you guys think about the nba playoffs the jalen brunson to the knicks reports and and rumors and and how that is developing as well um the next few episodes we're really going to be going hard on the nba playoffs again it's been really good there's been years past especially in the bubble where we've kind of tried to stay away from it because because listen if the games are good right if the games are good we're going to talk nba playoffs and there's been a ton of good games a ton of fun storylines and Knicks fans are the best NBA fans. We want to, we want to talk hoop and I love talking NBA playoffs with you guys. So that's why we're doing it. There's just not a lot of Knicks stuff going on right now. As always, if there's more Knicks news that takes precedent around here, it always does. However, besides the Jalen Brunson stuff and some draft talk that really hasn't really boiled over yet, not much to discuss to be quite honest with you. So that's where we stand on that. So the next few episodes are going to be all NBA playoffs. But then as we get closer to the draft lottery, right? April will turn into May next episode. Then we're getting closer to the draft lottery. Draft talk will start to pick back up again. That's kind of where we'll be for a while until the draft, most likely. Unless other you know free agent stuff will come up, trades will come up, NBA news, Knicks news will come up. We'll sprinkle that in throughout. That's how our offseason is looking like and frankly it is a fun time it, it's it stinks that the knicks aren't in it i mentioned that earlier but the nba is still so much fun to discuss especially when it's as good as it is right now the the, the series are delivering you know it, it's it's one of those things right where at times the nba playoffs get overshadowed i think by the nhl playoffs because they're not always competitive right? And the NHL playoffs, almost year in and year out, there's at least two or three really good series in the first couple of rounds. The NBA's got that this year. The NBA for once. There's a couple, there's, you know, there's a couple of series that have ended and a couple, there's a sweep in there, some five gamers. I get it. But most of the series that have been compelling are going to six. They're, they might, some of these might even go to seven, obviously. It's getting good, and we want to be a part of it. We want to talk about it. We want to cover it as best we can and, and give our thoughts on the show. So, as always, postingandtoasting.com, Shock Shock Knicks podcast, SJ7, at SJ7 on Twitter is the place to go to hit me up, as always. Thank you all so much, as always, for listening. One last thing, actually. One last thing before we go. On postingandtoasting.com, again, like I said earlier, there's plenty of draft stuff. If you want to look into different prospects, the guys on the site are writing about it as we speak. The latest one is about Duke's Paolo Bancaro. Take a look at that if you want to get your draft filled before we start talking about it again 
on the podcast, or you can go back to a couple of previous draft episodes that we've done over the last few weeks that cover basically the same things. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast. All of you are beautiful people. Stay safe out there, and we will see you all next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.